Welcome to It's Pronounced Memoir, a podcast where we read and discuss celebrity memoirs because discussing non-celebrity issues is too depressing. My name is Mariana Olenko, and with me are co-hosts and memoir mavens, Wendy Ahrens and Ann Immig. Hi. Hello. So in this world that is so divided by politics, religion, social and moral issues, I think one thing that we can all agree on, regardless of our background or affiliations, is that Jamie Spears, Britney Spears' father, is a huge asshole. And that's because we just read Britney Spears' highly anticipated mega bestseller, 2023 Under the Radar Memoir, The Woman in Me. Do we like the title, Wendy? No, I I do not like it. Anne? I liked it by the end because it surprised me what the meaning was. It doesn't sell it, though. Oh, I'm glad you know what the meaning is. Could you tell me? Because I have no idea. Well, I mean, she had two sons. So who's the woman in her? (laughs) The woman in her was never allowed to mature. And so this is her first using her voice as the adult woman in her with some ownership. She doesn't even know who that is yet. Okay. So they probably couldn't get the woman in me was not allowed to mature on the cover. So they abbreviated. That happens a lot in the publishing industry. (laughs) Do you have any ideas or suggestions for the subtitle of this book? I would have gone with Free Britney or Ah. I really make a lot of perfume and find out why that is. (laughs) Both of those are great. (laughs) And do you have any suggestions? Well, I think the one that, yeah, the one that I just gave was amazing. The woman in me is maturing. Sounds like a book you don't even want to pick up for your (laughs) kid going through puberty. So we usually start off these episodes with sharing what we knew about the celebrity prior to reading the memoir. But is it fair to say that we all knew of Britney and knew some of her music even before reading this memoir? I'm just trying to save time for everyone. Well, yeah, we haven't been in comas. (laughs) and i i see that you're nodding (laughs) you're nodding but i don't know how that translates to audio (laughs) i concur i knew about britney good good wendy what is the one thing that surprised you the most in this memoir the fact that she said her natural hair color is i I mean she really has a, a good blonde dye job Anne, what about you? What did you learn about Brittany that you didn't previously know? I had no idea her little sister was such a D-bag, but we really need to read her little sister's memoir before we can take Brittany's word for it. So we'll see. I don't know. I kind of trust the woman in Brittany. As for me, I guess what surprised me is that she was born in Mississippi. I don't know. I guess I wasn't very surprised by anything. What a ridiculous question. I'm Shocker. so sorry I asked. Ooh, it wasn't London. <laughs> okay. So some background, Britney Spears was born on December 2nd, 1981 in Macomb, Mississippi. That's where I started getting really surprised. She <laughs> writes that to cement their marriage, my parents had a second baby, me. My mother never missed an opportunity to recall that she was in excruciating labor with me for 21 hours. Her father 
the previously mentioned asshole was a mean drunk. He grew up abused by his own father. He worked as a welder on oil refineries. And when he drank, he disappeared from the house. And Brittany was very grateful for that because then at least it was quiet. Brittany's paternal grandmother, Jean, died by suicide in 1966 when she was 31 years old. She shot herself on the grave of her infant son. But Jean's mother was Brittany's great-grandmother, Lexi Pierce, who was around, and Brittany was very close to her growing up. One of the issues I had with the book is that I always felt like I had to be doing some sort of math to figure out how old Brittany was at various phases. <laughs> I think um, you're too analytical to even yeah. begin to take in this, this memoir. <laughs> Explain what you mean, point by point. <laughs> <laughs> it's Louisiana math. Just don't go down that route. She says that her mom was a typical Southern mom, often gossiping, always smoking cigarettes with her friends at the bar. And she smoked Virginia Slims, which is the same thing that Britney smokes now. So early on in Britney's childhood, it was clear even to her dumbass parents that she had musical talent. She worked her way through the talent circuit, winning the regional contest in Baton Rouge. Then... Her parents saw an advertisement in the newspaper. Remember newspapers and advertisements? <laughs> it was an open call for the all-new Mickey Mouse Club and suggested that they go. Unfortunately, Brittany did not make it, but she did meet Carrie Russell and Christina Aguilera there. There was a suggestion that she should go to New York to see a talent agent. They didn't go right away because Brittany stayed in Louisiana and waited tables at her great-grandmother Lexi's seafood restaurant, which was called Granny Seafood and Deli. She was nine years old at this time. She was cleaning shellfish and serving food. I mean, the fact, I guess, no, you know what? This is what surprised me, that Brittany knows how to clean shellfish. <laughs> well, uh, that I did have to read that a few times, that she was only nine when she was waiting tables. Um, and I just had another celebrity memoir fact come into my brain if you've read Jessica Simpson's memoir it was funny to read about Britney auditioning and not making it for the Mickey Mouse Club her first year and then in Jessica Simpson's memoir she talks about when she auditioned like Britney being the total star and her being compared to Britney so that must have been Britney's second year but you can see how Jessica Simpson's perception of Britney and Britney's perception of her own experience are kind of similar being the outsider and not making it at least mm -hmm. in their first year. Glad you brought oh, that I'm up. I, was, I, I did read Jessica Simpson's memoir years ago and I kept kind of getting that and Brittany's mixed up because they have so many similarities with the the parents and uh, Mickey Mouse Club, all that stuff. Blonde. Now, Excuse Jessica me. Simpson's... <laughs> Jessica Simpson's memoir wasn't on our syllabus, so I'm not sure how oh, I okay. feel about introduction of extra credit reading. Okay. This is like a pop quiz. That's so unfair. Sorry. Right. This was not supposed to be on the test. When she was 10, again, I'm keeping track of the ages, just for Brittany, though, not for everybody. She was invited to be a contestant on Star Search. Remember how gross Ed McMahon was in her memoir? Oh, yes. God. Yes. Disgusting. So he says to her, I noticed last week you have the most adorable pretty eyes. Do you have a boyfriend? So what, like she's 10? Yeah. No, sir, I said. Why not? They're mean. Boyfriends? Ed said, 
You mean all boys are mean? I'm not mean. How about me? Ew. Come sit on my lap. Pedophile search. Oh, so I don't know if Ed McMahon's legacy is now ruined. Well, he did say, how about me? He did not say, come sit on my lap. (laughs) Her first job off Broadway, she's an understudy in a musical, Ruthless. She played a sociopathic child star named Tina Denmark. The other understudy was Natalie Portman. Whenever she mentions a celebrity, I have to bring it to the podcast because I'm just all about name-dropping celebrities. So there were both understudies for Laura Bell Bundy, who I never heard of, but you guys have, right? Yeah, she's a Broadway icon. icon. Mm -hmm. Tend to stay away from icons. So then this is what I thought was interesting. Around the holidays, Brittany learned that she would have to perform on Christmas Day. So in her little girl mind, that's her speaking, and she was 11 years old, that's me speaking, I didn't understand what I'd want to do that, continue performing through the holidays. So I quit the show and went home. When she was 11, she had autonomy. Her parents would, I don't know if they respected, but at least would abide by her decision when she wanted to perform and when she didn't. I don't think it's a surprise to anybody that her father had her placed in a conservatorship where she had zero autonomy. She had less say in her career and in her life as an adult when her father was in charge of her, in quotes, than she did as a, as a child. Although she talks about some fond memories of her childhood, it was not a, a happy childhood. And here she becomes a prisoner in her own home, repeating the same like abusive family and made so much worse by the fact that she had her own kids. Um, so we'll get to that. Anybody on the planet could figure out that this, as soon as her her earning potential started to go up, then the parents regained the control. It's, it, it's just so blatant and gross. Yeah, absolutely. After this, she books the second audition for the Mickey Mouse Club. I guess that's where Jessica Simpson meets her, right? She writes that she looked up to the older kids, and here I go with the name dropping, Carrie Russell, Ryan Gosling, who I had no idea was part of that group, and um, Justin Timberlake. She quickly connected to him. When the show ended a year and a half later, a lot of my castmates were going off to New York or L.A. to continue chasing their dreams, but I decided to go back to Kentwood. So already within her was this push-pull. She wanted to keep building towards the dream but she, of celebrity, but she also wanted to live a normal life in Louisiana. And that is something that I think continues throughout her memoir, this desire for normalcy, a safe home, a loving, cozy home. Once she's back home, though, things take a bit of a turn. When she was in eighth grade, her mom and she would make the two-hour drive to Biloxi, Mississippi, and when they were there, they would drink daiquiris. She's 13. She writes, I loved that I was able to drink with my mom every now and then. The way we drank was nothing like how my father did it. When he drank, he grew more depressed and shut down. We became happier, more alive, and adventurous. She would also sip on a little bitty white Russian, She uses this experience with her mother to say, even amid all the darkness, there was still a lot of joy in my childhood, which reminds me. She was tipsy. (laughs) (laughs) 
But it also reminds me of what Rick Ocasek said to Polina. If it weren't for the darkness, you wouldn't see the stars. So I'm glad that everybody's so looking on the bright mm-hmm. side. Do you remember how she and Justin Timberlake get together? Well, they remain friends and I guess they fall in love. But what I also really remember was this virginity narrative that was pushed and publicized about them both being virgins. And it wasn't a surprise when I read that Brittany lost her virginity at 13 to like a brother's friend. And it just made her seem more normal to me. I think I took a lot of things at face value that the media pushed 20 years ago. And of course it was ridiculous. Um, But when you asked the beginning, what surprised you really, the book has nonstop surprises and not in a good way. So she and Justin are together. She said that they were just drawn to each other. They were like two magnets. She had a hard time being as carefree as he seemed She writes, I couldn't help but notice that the questions he got asked by talk show hosts were different from the ones they asked me. Everyone kept making strange comments about my breasts, wanting to know whether or not I had any plastic surgery. And that obviously has a toll on her. Like, I'm pretty sure Ed McMahon didn't ask Justin Timberlake if he had a girlfriend and if. Well, I would say that 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 to me was kind of heartbreaking because one thing that does come across is how hard of a worker she is and how much she loves her craft of singing. And she was very naturally gifted, but her prevailing narrative in the media was about her looks and she was a nymphette and, you know, is she a virgin or not? Whereas Timberlake also, you know, singer took it seriously, but he was more respected for, what he produced and she wasn't. So that that was heartbreaking. They lived together in Orlando. She said that she was so in love with Justin, just smitten. I mean, you get the feeling she w- would have stayed with him forever. I mean, mm-hmm. this was like, again, so sad to read because it was not just, it was not just like a, cute you know boyfriend girlfriend like they lived together she was completely in love and I think Mariana to your point this was like a little nest that they made together that was such a relief for her like it was a cozy home until it wasn't yeah they go to the 2001 American Music Awards together that Britney co-hosted with LL Cool J Uh, and she asked Justin to wear denim so that they could match and he agreed and she couldn't believe that he agreed (laughs) and she heard that he got a lot of flack for the look and when they were teasing him about it he said you do a lot of things when you're young and in love and she said that's exactly right we were giddy and those outfits reflected that and she writes that she still gets a kick when people dresses them for Halloween, which I haven't, I don't think I've ever seen. I probably well, thought they were just like, question, oh. We're- do you know yeah. what it's uh, called when a man wears uh, jeans and a jean top? A Canadian tuxedo. Yep. Canadian tuxedo. Mariana looks horrified. No, 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 no. That's I'm I'm trying to think of how I can work that into conversations this weekend (laughs) and maybe for the rest of my life. (laughs) 
So she knew that Justin was cheating on her. And of course, the media was rubbing it in her face, but she was overlooking it. And she said, I don't want to say who he was talking about when he said, yeah, man, I hid that last night. She said she doesn't want to say who he was talking about because she's actually very popular and she's married with kids now. I don't want her to feel bad. What? This is the content that I want. (laughs) I'm, I'm very upset. Okay. She gets pregnant. And Justin isn't happy about the pregnancy. He said we weren't ready to have a baby in our lives, that we were way too young. I wouldn't want to push him into something he didn't want. Our relationship was too important to me. And so I'm sure people will hate me for this, but I agreed not to have the baby. Let's pause here. What do you, what do you think? Do we blame Justin? Do we hate Brittany? <laughs> I don't blame oh, Justin one. or no. hate Brittany. And I, I, it makes me sad because it sounds like Brittany wanted the baby. Who we blame is what, what, what was imposed on her cruelly after this. The, the, that decision making is where I feel a huge injustice occurred. Are you talking about the conservatorship? No, I'm talking about the medicated abortion that she had to have alone in a hotel bathroom. And she did that because she was afraid that the paparazzi would get wind of it if she actually went to the to the doctor. She didn't. Right? It was imposed on her. She, I think, would have loved to go to the doctor, but her team, whoever that was at the time, I think it was just those two, and then her friend, her mom's friend. There was only a very few people who even knew about it. I think it was her parents who refused to let her go to a hospital and she was in serious pain she says it's even after having two kids it's the most pain she's ever been in and it was not fast um and she was alone yeah that was a harrowing description it was trauma wasn't justin there with her or no i thought he was with her no oh hi this is mariana i just wanted to read something from Brittany's book When I tell you it was painful, I can't begin to describe it. The pain was unbelievable. I went down to the ground on my knees holding the toilet. For a long time, I couldn't move. To this day, it's one of the most agonizing things I've ever experienced in my life. Still, they didn't take me to the hospital. Justin came into the bathroom and lay on the floor with me. At some point, he thought maybe music would help, so he got his guitar and he lay there with me strumming it. That's what Brittany wrote. So when Wendy and Anne say, no, Justin wasn't there with her, Mariana, you're crazy. You're hallucinating. That is also very painful. Pain comes in many forms. Thank you. I found that particularly uh, interesting that she went through all of that and her parents knew and probably were behind it because she was the cash cow. And then her younger sister, Jamie Lynn, got pregnant at 15 when she was starring right. on a TV show and she had the baby. So I almost, there's something in there like, well, you didn't have the baby when you got pregnant. There's such a weird dynamic between the two of them. I get the yeah. impression if it were up to Brittany, she might have had the baby. Yeah, I think so. Not not for moral reasons. No. My impression is just because she was so in love with Justin and uh, wanted to make this family that she didn't have. But mm-hmm. that's just my, that's, that's just a guess. Before I read this memoir, of course, I heard about this uh, when the early readers read it and I heard about that Justin didn't want to have a baby. And there was seems to be some kind of general 
perception that he that he was wrong, that this was his fault. Did you? Yeah, that's not fair. From the outside world. Did you have that perception, even if you don't agree with it? Or is this just my? No, that's because that's the the first big story that came out when they were young and they're it's private. It shouldn't even have been up for debate with people. But no, I, I didn't blame anybody for it. They're so young. She gets pregnant and it's like abort 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 like yeah sorry that's just my personal motto okay <laughs> i think <laughs> i think the vitriol about justin probably spills over from the fact that there was this whole prevailing narrative that she broke his heart and cry me a river video and all of that when in fact if you believe britney which we do hashtag believe britney free britney um is that <laughs> is that he was cheating on her all along and her purported infidelity was one makeout session with one guy versus him sleeping all around. The thing I blame Justin for is how he or how the media with his help weaponized the narrative about Britney, that she was the one who cheated on him, that she's the one who broke his heart, all of that. I don't know in reality how much of a hand he had in that, but that was really very difficult to even imagine yourself in her in her stilettos. She's the one who's heartbroken, right? And it's exactly. very real. It's like she, they were so young. I, she was 19 or something. And it's I her stopped first counting. major. <laughs> right. Don't ask me, Ariana. It was her first major heartbreak. They were living together. This is huge. Yeah. You know? And then it becomes national fodder. And she gets, yeah, she gets villainized when she's the one I mean, it seems pretty clear he's yeah. the one who ended the relationship. He did. <laughs> you know? He did. He ended it's... it in a text, I think, or something like that. But then she also says that Justin flew out to Louisiana to visit me. He brought me a long letter he'd written and framed. <laughs> you might I, be I mean, a narcissist. What, what, <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> she still has it under her bed, she said. <laughs> And at the end, it said, and it makes me want to cry to think about it. This is Brittany, not Mariana. I can't breathe without you. Those are the last words in it. Well, apparently. And then why did you why did you break up with me? I know. <laughs> I guess so he could fly out with a framed letter. How big is it? Is it he like carrying it on his shoulders? His like bodyguard? Yeah, like a sandwich board. <laughs> is it printed? Because you know he doesn't write in script, right? <laughs> Well, yeah, block like letters. Bl- <laughs> block letters, exactly. So Brittany's feeling pretty low, but to get her confidence back, in September 2002, she fl- went to Milan to visit Donatella Versace. That's really good advice. If you need to get your confidence back, go see Donatella. Hack. Life hack. <laughs> Life hack. Meanwhile, while she's getting her confidence back with Donatella, Timberlake releases a video for his song, Cry Me a River, in which a woman who looks a lot like Britney cheats on him, and he wanders around all sad in the rain. Eh. That's why he framed his letter. (laughs) I don't know if he's... Ah, (laughs) I see. So it doesn't get wet. You know, I I thought was interesting in this whole part about Justin is she doesn't ever say anything bad about him she just says this is what he did and then he said this and then he did that so she's not passing judgment but the reader's like oh he's a dickhead you know when you're just by his actions so she uh, was very respectful in writing about him by just saying how it all transpired 
she's ever gotten over like the heartbreak into a place of anger or blame. Like I, she still true. sounds wounded to me. Yeah, and like, true. Yeah. you know, she wishes it would have gone differently. Mm -hmm. But I found this and please correct me in the unlikely event that I'm wrong. I feel like she's very respectful about all of her romantic partners. She doesn't yeah, yeah. ever say, oh, what a dick he was. She presents them in a realistic slash positive light. I mean, who knows what's realistic, but she doesn't trash talk anybody. Not even Federline. I know. I think it's she doesn't. She said that after this, she never trusted anyone again. And I think that says a lot um that she doesn't even trust herself to say anything bad about anyone it, you can see how much courage it takes for her to say any anything negative she says even about her parents um it, it seems like it takes a lot for her because you just she i don't think she can trust herself because of everything she's been through and I think part of it is just like she said, I was this polite Southern girl who called yeah. everybody ma'am and sir. She has this upbringing where her parents were totally fucked, mm -hmm. so to speak. She she moves to New York. She lives in a NoHo apartment in New York City where Cher used to live. And one night she's going out of the apartment and some man says something very funny to her, which of course she doesn't tell us what it is. And she turns around and it's Robin Williams. She has a brief relationship with Colin Farrell. I, I can't tell any of the Collins apart. So that was, you know, whatever. He's a good me. one. Yeah, he's a he's good, the one. good one. Well-known interview with Diane Sawyer that she didn't want to do, but her team said she had no say in it. Diane Sawyer was asking a lot of personal questions about her breakup with Timberlake, which, of course, was painful for Britney. She goes to Las Vegas for New Year's with some friends and Paris Hilton shows up. They get drunk. They go on top of tables, run through the club. Um, and she, Brittany, and one of her friends decide to get married drunk. She states, to be clear, he and I were not in love. I was just honestly very drunk and probably very bored. That's but how a lot remember? of marriages start. <laughs> speaking from experience <laughs> but her parents have such a strong reaction that they fly out and they make her get it annulled and they said they put so much pressure on her that she starts to think that perhaps she committed a brilliant act of rebellion they're just seeing exactly. the yeah. money going out the window yeah. and they're free they don't give a crap about anything else Mm -mm. But even if it weren't for the money, like your your child gets married to someone they're not in love with when they're drunk, you know, there are some red flags there, right? <laughs> her older bro brother, Brian, to whom she's been close on and off for years, he did a huge deal for her with Elizabeth Arden. She doesn't say what the huge deal was, but when I looked into it, Britney Spears endorsed her first ever Elizabeth Arden perfume, Curious, in 2004. And it made a hundred million in sales in its first year. This is wow. like, I don't understand that kind of money. No, no. Like that like, was just the beginning. <laughs> but like a hundred million in sales for perfume. Are there like even a hundred million people in the world? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I also don't know what Brian did to make this deal. That's like, what I was thinking. He's not like a, a Wharton grad who knows how to negotiate at top level 
fortune 500 companies. He's like, I don't even know if he went to college in Louisiana. So he's, that made me think that he was just glomming on again and getting a cut of the money and like the rest of the family. Or maybe one day he smelled really bad and Brittany was like, can you put some perfume on or something? (laughs) He got the idea. That all rang false to me. Maybe she was just trying to give him credit. I think wasn't he the one kind of loving person in the family? So I feel like she was trying to maybe throw him a bone there. Okay. I don't know. So in preparation for today's recording, I sent you a list, a complete list of Britney Spears' perfumes, just so that we're all on the same page. There are 42 of them, 42 perfumes, and 30 of the 42 have the word fantasy (laughs) in the title. So there's a, a fragrance name, a tagline, and the year that it was produced. The year is not important. But which fragrance caught your nasal cavity? (laughs) (laughs) Anne? Well, I'm sitting here holding Island Fantasy by Britney Spears because my friend Wendy sent it to my door. In fact, before I could even know it was there, she told me, it's on the white chair. (laughs) 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 On your front stoop. Which is terrifying. But then the tagline asked me, what is my island fantasy? And I'm living it because it's 35 degrees. And we're preparing to drive five and a half hours to a volleyball tournament this weekend. Oh, oh my God. That is your fantasy. And could you please tell the listeners what your cologne or your perfume smells like? Oh, yes. It smells like pineapple with just a note of dull hair. <laughs> <laughs> What color is the doll hair? Well, this is very blue. Mm. But I was thinking like a strawberry shortcake doll, that plastic doll hair smell. Oh, yeah. Mm. What Mm. every woman wants. Wendy, what about your fragrance of choice? Well, I uh, was really intrigued by the Midnight Fantasy Halloween edition. (laughs) Uh, I often like to have a signature scent for trick-or-treating. Uh, and the tagline is magic begins at midnight. Especially is, with, nice. with, with a middle-aged solo trick-or-treater. Yes, that that's, you know, I, I, I whisper that to myself whenever I have to get a colonoscopy. And I'm doing the prep. Magic begins at midnight. Very Okay, nice. your, your turn, Mariana. I was also a recipient of a beautiful gift from Wendy. It's the fantasy Britney Spears Fine Fragrance Mist. The tagline is everybody has one. And I'm not sure if it refers to the fantasy <laughs> or this beautiful bottle. <laughs> or an allergic reaction. Fine. <laughs> yes. So I'll go with that one. I did sniff it once. And um, I think this explains for a lot of the pauses and retakes on this podcast. <laughs> Um, but so I'm recovering just, nicely. Yours is just fantasy. Like no, yeah, no specific. No Halloween, no islands. No, mine is the classic fantasy. Everybody has one. <laughs> and then, I mean, there's another perfume here that caught my eye, but I'm, this is just we're talking here. There's no need to send it to me. I just want to oh, make okay. sure we're all on the same. No more gifts. It's called No More Gifts. It's called Curious. 
and the tagline is, are you? And I like it because she's curious. Are you curious? Like it's, it's, you know, it's a perfume and a conversation. <laughs> and that's what I like about it. Okie dokie. Remember she meets K-Fed? I mean, sorry, Kevin Federline at a club in Hollywood. Uh-huh. And what does she like about him? Let's go into a quiz format. Does well, he thanks. own any shirts that aren't white tank tops? <laughs> She Were loves- you trying not to say wife beaters? Yeah, you can't say that anymore. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. Listen, I've been sniffing the fantasy. <laughs> I'm surprised she didn't. They didn't do like a joint perfume, K Fed, uh, white shirt. Anyway, wasted opportunities. That's that's the name of the K Fed yes. signature. <laughs> yes. <laughs> K Fed wasted opportunity. Right. <laughs> She likes the way he holds her. He was steady, strong, a comfort. The press kept suggesting famous men who I should date, royalty, CEOs, models. How could I explain that I just wanted to be held for an hour by a man in a swimming pool? She really feels safe with him, right? Mm-hmm. She, she, I think she does love him. She says, I feel like a lot of women, and this is definitely true of me, can be as strong as they want to be, can play the powerful role. But by the end of the day, after we've done our work and made our money and taken care of everybody else, we want someone to hold us tight and tell us everything's going to be okay. I know. Frown um, face. Listeners, Mariana just made a frown face. Made a frown face. Yeah. Um. When they meet, the press lets her know that he has a girlfriend who's eight months pregnant with a second child. I think she's a, an, an ex-girlfriend, right? So, but and she asks him about it, and he says, "Yes, it's true." Then they get married in two thousand four, I believe, and then her older son was born in September, 2005, Sean Preston, her older son. And three months later, she got pregnant again. She had to watch out for the paparazzi who were very aggressive. They were hounding her for photos with the baby. And then Kevin starts working on his own music. Oh, (laughs) the world was excited. (laughs) Have you ever listened to kevin's music has anyone at the time i think at the time probably it was you know a blip yeah so then she describes something that just sounds like very surreal she keeps wanting to see kevin she shows up at a studio where he's supposedly working it smells like weed she brings the baby he will not let her in his bodyguards who used to be her bodyguards will not give her access. I mean, it's, it's just so very gross. crazy, very crazy. And she supported his career. But then as he started to get some kind of traction, he completely lost all interest in her. I'm just shaking my head because it's just like this lost little puppy. Meanwhile, she's the one making all the money and has done all the work and left and right. People are just using her and casting her aside and And not even trying to hide it and whatever inroads he made in his again career is due to her and his connection to her right 
Mm-hmm. Um, I just did a quick Spotify search for Kevin Federline. He has one song uh, that has an explicit version, an acapella version, and an instrumental version. The same song? Yes. <laughs> I know and what I'm has, listening uh, to tonight. <laughs> 3,000 monthly listeners. So 3,000 oh people God. out there are listening to one song. And if you see the shirt ways. he's wearing, whoops. Wendy is multitasking during our recordings like nobody else. <laughs> well, it is typical. When her younger son, Jaden James, is born, the press pressure increases dramatically. She does an interview with Matt Lauer for Dateline. And he says, a lot of people are asking, is Brittany a bad mom? What a I don't dick. know. I mean, Maybe Matthew... <laughs> Press the unlock button that unlocks your Ooh. office door and Ooh. take yourself mm-hmm. out of here. Ooh. Sick burn. Sick, yeah. sick burn, Matt Lauer. <laughs> it's gross. So her home is a safe haven again, and it's right next to Mel Gibson's house. I don't know how safe I yeah, feel exactly. <laughs> being next to Mel Gibson's house. And I love the next part. Also, Sandy from Greece was a neighbor. And Brittany writes, I'd see her and call out, hi, Olivia Newton-John. How are you, Olivia Newton-John? I mean, adorable, but how fucking annoying it is for Olivia (laughs) Newton-John. Like, I can sort of imagine Brittany every morning. Hi, Olivia Newton-John. Like, oh, shit. Um, When I was reading the part about after her second son is born and how she's acting how she's feeling i was like oh she must have postpartum depression Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. eventually she does say that like she wouldn't even let her mother hold the baby which i wouldn't either his mother yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) the kids are just 15 months apart i mean that's yeah so yeah tough i on mean your body. well I, okay you're asking me to do math again when her older son was three months she got pregnant and the human gestation is nine months Maybe so yeah some year. number yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also this is the answer to when people are like how how was she you know locked into this conservatorship how did she stay for so long they used her babies as yep. the bargaining chip and the leverage like that part was so sad so awful okay i think we all feel a lot of sympathy for Brittany, and we're just about to get to the conservatorship but i have to say that there are things in this memoir just did not ring true to me they didn't make sense and one of them is that her lawyer tells her that if she doesn't file for divorce, Kevin would, because apparently he wants out of this marriage and she doesn't want to feel embarrassed. So she files. They both ask for full custody. And then somehow the kids are with him. And to see them, she goes to his house, makes a scene because she's desperate to see her children. But my question, like, why wouldn't she call her lawyers? That's what they're there for. Like, lawyers work out custody all the time and not always to people's complete satisfactions. But people don't show up at other people's doors. Does well, that he, seem... he had taken the kids, what I remember reading, and mm-hmm. she was going to get them back. And it's her husband, even if it's her ex. I just don't think she's ever had a shred of autonomy. And she has always been controlled and manipulated. So none of this surprised me. I didn't have any Mm -hmm. trouble believing that she didn't know she could have her own lawyer. 
I don't think she, and she said she didn't even know who to trust. Like she couldn't trust her own team. One of you would like to discuss the conservatorship? What I'm going to say is it's way, way worse than I thought it was after reading this. Jamie, her father. So what do they use as evidence? Was this when she shaved her head? That was enough to, to convince a judge that she, a woman, a beautiful woman must be insane if she shaved off her hair. I mean, it was. an embarrassingly tragic low bar uh, easy for them somehow to not only get conservatorship over the estate but over her person and that meant he became her and he says to her i am now britney spears that's awful that is a chilling scene remember when he takes over her office and he's sitting in her chair and says, I am now Britney Spears. And I was shocked he wasn't stroking a white cat at the yeah. time because <laughs> that's really all he needed. Wearing a military jacket. Right. <laughs> Britney was told in court that she could not pick her own lawyer. Her father worked with a lawyer whose name was, I shit you not, Andrew Wallet, <laughs> and who was paid... 426000 a year to keep Britney from her money. She paid her own court-appointed attorney $500,000 a year, which I don't, I, I don't know. As everything was falling apart for Britney, her mother was writing a memoir and um, capitalizing on her again, right? Meanwhile, she was not allowed any contact with the outside world. She wasn't allowed to eat what she, they were heavily medicating her against her will. Um, it is horrific to read about this. And they actually were forced sterilizing her because they, she had an IUD she didn't want. She wants to take it out at one point when she wants to get pregnant with her boyfriend. I mean, it is so extreme. And yeah. And her father said no. Her father vetoed her reproductive rights, right. essentially. And yeah, it was such it. gaslighting because they gave her the impression that she was an alcoholic and a pill popper and she was wasn't doing anything excessively uh and she barely even drinks yeah exactly and and they were just kept reinforcing to her that this is for your own good because you're a disaster and you're going to self-harm or whatever it was and God, it was really sad to read all controlled her work life making her work i mean more than ever before but also with such creative control they wanted to do the least to make the most money she was so bored. And I remember seeing clips of her like looking like a zombie while performing. And now we understand why. Yeah. And it's because she was so bored and she she had no control. They wouldn't change the routines. They wouldn't let her do any variations on anything. She says that when there was the conservatorship, she begged the court to appoint anybody but her father. Because she said a stranger on the street would have been better. She writes that I remain shocked that the state of California would let a man like my father, an alcoholic, somebody who declared bankruptcy, who'd failed in business, who terrified me as a little girl, control me after all my accomplishments and everything I had done. But the good news (laughs) is that her mother, seeing that her father was now earning a living, reconciled with him. (sighs) God, that was it's awful. Like, you can't make this shit up. No, you really can't. That was, and our so... sister wrote a tell-all. Yeah, yeah. They would yeah. all go out and party on her dime, and eat in restaurants and go out for drinks. We're going for you know spa appointments, and not include Brittany 
and even forbid her from having anything but what canned vegetables and chicken or something. It was so yeah. vile. It yeah. was some canned some vegetables. Beverly Hillbillies. Yeah, they're just like it was just gross. And she was begging like the security guards to sneak in a hamburger and ice cream. I mean, it's just unbelievable to me. Do you remember when we were reading Paris's memoir, we talked about how how was it possible that her parents sent her to this facility and no one in the press knew, right? Like the paparazzi didn't know. And we thought it was because the paparazzi wasn't as big back then and Paris Hilton wasn't such a big star. But when I was reading this book, this all happened in front of all of our faces, in front of the paparazzi. And I don't think there was a bigger star than Britney. And it happened in California. And it's like, how? How? She says that when she heard about the Free Britney movement, she was really touched and she felt seen and that they, those people really knew what was going on. Yeah, I think that there, I would say that that movement is the driving force into ending the conservatorship. That's what uh, did, saved her. That's what <laughs> saved her. And do I, I always think of that um, Instagram, a YouTuber Instagram video of the young man just like sobbing free Britney and it kind of went viral and. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. Very emotional. Man. But uh, she has such devoted fans. And yeah, it was thanks to them that they didn't forget about her. They didn't write her off. They. I mean, I you I don't know if you saw the documentary, but they would do protests outside of the courthouse and, you know, it's a big deal. So at some point, she's just can't take it anymore. And she calls 911 to report her father for conservatorship abuse. And a few days later, there's a hearing some time later yet, like maybe a year that he's removed as her conservator. Can you imagine being that 911 operator? Holy shit. <laughs> But again, sure, you're Brittany. Like, oh, yeah, right. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah okay. Right. One of the things that happened during her conservatorship is when she's hospitalized against her will, they take her off Prozac, which she'd been taking for years, apparently. They stopped it abruptly and put her on lithium. And she writes, it wasn't lost on me that lithium was the drug my grandmother, Jean, who later committed suicide, had been put on. So there's like this history of men mm -hmm. abusing women mm -hmm. in her family in different ways, like psychological, you know, uh, and other ways. <laughs> but what doctor would do that? Because she didn't have a diagnosed mental illness that would require lithium, right? So again, it was the, the dad or the money or whoever yeah, bullying the their money. way. Yeah. After reading this, have you changed your views on Brittany? My, I, I, I essentially feel like this is a prisoner who's come out of like a hostage situation. And even with all of the money and fame and like, this is a person who suffers. And, you know, if you look at her Instagram feed, like, I think that she has freedom and joy but you know shortly this book ends with her marrying i forget the boyfriend's name and now we know they're sam agashi mm -hmm. thank you and now we know they're already divorced like there's so much pain but this this left me feeling um it, it was just sad I, I was happy to get a glimpse into how she was and how hard she worked and how much music meant to her. But I think all of this has just irreparably damaged 
her psyche. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know how you come back from this. Yeah, I hope she has some support. I was looking at her Instagram reels or stories, whatever. And she's, to me, it looks like completely unhinged, but I'm also not a creative musical genius. That's not my mode of expression. I know. Did you ever, when all of the conservativeship was starting to come to a head, she wrote a very long Instagram post condemning her family and notably her sister. And yes, that was her taking her power back. And I thought that was like a great first step. And, you know, now she's on her own. And I imagine that's got to be exciting, but also scary to her because she Mm -hmm. hasn't been, uh, you know, had her own agency for so long. And she's so gun shy about being taken advantage of again. Like, how do you even get your representation, like the person that was managing her for a long time was installed by her dad and had no interest in supporting Brittany was just there for the cash grab. So, uh, you know, it sounded like this husband was a good guy. So who knows what happened there? But yeah, it's just, it's, I'm glad I read it, but it was really a tragedy. I agree. And it's striking to me how many of these celebrity memoirs really are. Mm Mm-hmm got the sense for no specific reason that the ghostwriter had a really heavy hand in this. Which one? There were three of them. There were three? Yes. We'll put that link to the New York Times article about it in the show notes. But yeah, Ada Calhoun was one. And then they brought in two different men uh, after to take other passes at it. I wonder if the two male ghostwriters was for a sensitivity read, you know, to make sure the guys didn't turn out too badly. (laughs) And maybe that's why. I mean, maybe we still don't have any sense of her voice after reading this. Is that sort of what you're getting at, Mariana? You know, I didn't know that it was, but it absolutely is. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't realize that I was so profound. But now that you said it, that's exactly what I meant. Please speak for me always from now on. Yeah. 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 I I felt like like the Britney in this book and the Britney I see on Instagram are very different. When I read the captions on her Instagram, I think it's going to go one way and then it just kind of (laughs) goes into a direction that I can't even follow. And when I picture it, it's her spinning around, barely clothed on the white marble floor. She talks a lot about loving and she's alone. And it it makes me sad because it makes me think of how much has changed since your conservatorship? I mean, she does travel. She's a free person, but I feel like this is her default because of what she's gone through. Yeah, but she says she has a solid friendship with uh, Paris Hilton. I hope so. <laughs> I hope she has some real support because, again, how do you trust anyone after having this life? And I think she, uh, her sons are, what, 18 and 19 now? Oh, Maybe yeah. Something like that. So hopefully she has a good friendship with them i, I hope know. so oh, yeah because so she just loved those boys that's so much. her world yeah thank you for joining us <laughs> for another episode <laughs> of it's pronounced memoir please make sure to follow us on instagram write us hit us baby one more time with there a you like, go there you with go a like a follow a five-star review share it with your friends please we want to keep reading memoirs and sharing them with you don't be toxic <laughs> Thank you. Bye.